world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard, fear no evil. Get yours today, only at LipstickBodyguard.com. question that technology can make our lives simpler, especially as we age. The problem is, most applications are designed by developers far too young to truly understand the needs of their aging user. Diane's special guest expert this week, Dr. Richard Caro, and his merry band of longevity explorers are changing all that. Join 180 million monthly subscribers who can now listen to Parents Are Hard To Raise on Spotify. Welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise, helping families grow older together without losing their minds. I'm elder care expert, Diane Berardi. Have you ever noticed that the older we get, the less advertisers tend to think about us? From the radio and television ads targeting those north of 50, it's as if marketers think all we care about are fiber supplements, laxatives, and erectile dysfunction cures. Maybe it's because when it comes to developing truly useful products for an aging market, most designers are all gear and no idea. My guest expert this week is just the opposite. He leads a group of developers who know more about what an aging population wants and needs than just about any other group. Maybe because they are their target market. Dr. Richard Caro has over 30 years of experience at the intersection of technology and business. He is co-founder of Tech Enhanced Life, PBC, a public benefit corporation with the mission of improving the quality of life for older adults and their families. Born and raised in Australia, Richard holds degrees from Melbourne University and a doctorate in experimental physics from Oxford University, where he was a Rhodes Scholar. Dr. Richard Caro, welcome to Parents Are Hard to Raise. Thank you, Diane. I'm looking forward to talking with you. Well, we're looking forward to hear all about uh, this amazing group of yours. Tell us about it. Well, it is um, quite unusual. You know, we started it several years ago because we had this um, opinion that that technology now is so advanced that there ought to be able to be lots of really useful products to help us all as we grow older. Um, and sort of push off the time at which various kind of things going wrong with you get in the way of living life, right? right. That was our theory. Um, but we noticed that the products didn't seem to be coming to market. And huh. um, as we started to talk to older adults about this, um, we realized that no one was asking their opinion. And right. also, um, all these older adults that we met uh, they really wanted a way to be more engaged in the future and in their world. And so we started this kind of club called the Longevity Explorers, really to try and impact this situation and help more good products come to market. 
It's fantastic because it's true. We we don't get opinions from the elderly and they're the ones who need and use the products and they're made by younger people. So I think this is a great idea. Well, we think so. You know, it, <laughs> it, it sort of came about because uh, initially our club was really about discussing ideas and looking at new products and things. Yeah. And after we'd been doing it for a couple of years, the explorers who are all in their sort of 70s, 80s, 90s, we even have a couple in their hundreds. Wow. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, you know, they, they started saying things to me like, you know, Richard, we've tried all these products and they're mostly bad. Huh. And isn't there something we could do about that? You know, instead of waiting till they exist and then testing them out and commenting how they're really not that useful, um, we want to get involved early on, they said. And so we are. And I guess it's like everyday products? Well, it's a very broad range. Okay. Um, you know, we um, there's some really interesting sort of sexy things we've helped with, like robots and stuff, none of which have quite got to market yet. Um, but also uh, our explorers are very interested in things like jar openers to help you open jars when you have arthritis or, you know, some sort of weakness in, in uh, you know, grip. Right. Um, and... Uh, a whole variety of things like that that we call everyday objects. Yeah, I even have trouble opening jars and they just have those rubber things. You know? Well, it's interesting. You know, it turns out <laughs> this was one of the first products we, we looked into because at one of our Explorer meetings, one of the ladies said, you know, I just bought this jar opener and it's terrible <laughs> and I really want to bring it along next time and tell everyone how bad it is. <laughs> And then someone else piped up and said, but I've got a really good one. I want to bring that along. And so at the next month, that you know, everybody brought along their little plastic bag full of <laughs> products. And we tried them all out. And then we went out and bought all of the good ones we could find, you know, that were well-reviewed on Amazon and designed a sort of more systematic way of testing it. And what we found was really interesting. We found that Quite a lot of them aren't very good, but some of them are really fabulous, actually. And and there is a broader range than just those rubber ones available. But the trouble is, there's no really good way to know. And so we've written all that up and put it on the Tech Enhanced Life website. And now older adults from all around the world, when they Google, you know, jar opener and arthritis or something, they come and read what our explorers think about why product A is better than product B. And um, even more importantly than that, it turns out yeah. different people have different reasons they need specific products. Right. Um, and so, you know, it explains all that too. Yeah, that's great. When I was on your website and you talk about falls and there are a lot of things, you know, for fall prevention, but then it's also how to get up. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. You know, there's this fabulous video um, on our website made by an occupational therapist who you know the way our, our community works a lot of it is you know experts who who want to um tell people what they've learned and share things and so this lady made a great video about clever ways to get up off the floor after you've fallen over if for various reasons you aren't able to just get up under your own steam and it's very popular yeah and it's a great idea i mean we have those um you know emergency buttons that people wear but i can't tell you how many clients i have who uh, they might be outside in the yard and, and they fall and they'll lay there, you know, for hours until their neighbor comes by and they're wearing uh, 
the emergency response system, you know, necklace or watch. And I'll say, well, why didn't you press the button? Well, I didn't get hurt. <laughs> I, just, I felt. <laughs> yeah. So I know it's crazy. It is. You know, the anecdotally you hear that a lot of people who have those buttons keep them in their bedside table too because they're so ugly and yes. sort of stigmatizing. My father, I got one for him and I'm saying, but you, it doesn't do any good in your bed. You have to wear it, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm charging it. Well, <laughs> it's like, I know. My father also, uh, for my mom, we, she wants a ramp to get out of the house. You know, my father keeps saying, oh, we don't need a ramp. He's afraid, you know, with the wheelchair, he'll not be able to get her down the ramp with this wheelchair that she's just going to go sailing. So... He says to me, he's standing out there one day and he's looking and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, he's thinking. I could tell by that expression. And he says to me, I'm trying to devise a pulley system. (laughs) You know, he would fit right in with our Explorer group because, you know, they love having new ideas. There's always good new ideas that come up in the discussions. It's fun. Yeah, I I can imagine. And, you know, it's sad because we do, uh, I had talked about this on one show about advertisers. We do, we push, we kind of push the elderly to the side and we don't think they have anything to offer or, you know, we don't think, you know, they have all this experience and they know what they, what would help them, but. Absolutely. Can I tell you a little story about that? Yes, please. You know, when we first started getting interested in this area, we, we went out and interviewed lots of older adults to try and understand, you know, what people cared about and what they thought the challenges were and stuff. And I just remember so well one interview we had with a, a lady who was, she was 92 um, and she lived in um, Marin outside San Francisco. And she came to the interview with us with somebody to help her get there because she was physically a bit frail, but mentally completely on the ball. Yeah. You know, she... She went out every day, she took a photo of something, and then she wrote a little um, paragraph or two about what she took the photo of and posted it on her own blog. And she was 92, right? So this is not your stereotype 92-year-old. No. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so we had this great interview, and um, she told me all sorts of useful things. Uh, But then at the end, she said, you know, the thing I miss most about growing older is I miss being useful. Uh, Yeah. And I hadn't heard that before, you know, but now I've heard it a lot. And I've decided this is one of the really most important aspects. Society's kind of decided that this group of people, you know, there's not a role for them really. They they should be playing bingo or or whatever. And um, so that's one of the reasons we started the Explorers, actually, because in our own small way where we we like to think that our members – you know, we're doing something useful and there's a sense of camaraderie and all that stuff. And to be honest, that seems to work quite well. It's it's exciting. You know, it, it must be such a great feeling for these explorers because they're getting out, they're being useful, they're they're with other people. It's got all the components of, you know, what I'm always preaching, that people have to socialize, you know, and use their minds. And so it, it's wonderful. Yeah, we, we sometimes help companies with some specific projects, right? Um, and we did one uh, last year where um, we put together a group of our explorers and went to this company and you know helped their helped their engineers with their product development. And um, at the end of one of the sessions, um, it was so interesting. There was this kind of half the room was full of twenty or thirty year old developers, yeah. and the other yeah. half was full of my eighty and ninety year old explorers. <laughs> and they by the end they had they had just 
completely changed their point of view about the other each other, right? Yeah. You know, that the designers were suddenly realizing that all these older people have really something to offer. And the one of the explorers said to me as she left, she said, you know, this was so good. They were all just sitting there, you know, listening to everything I said. They, just every word I said, they were writing down and they really cared about what I had to say. So she felt that was great. Oh, that that is great. I love that intergenerational mixing. <laughs> me too. That's fun. Oh, it really is. And it's I can just imagine the faces of the explorers feeling, you know, that somebody's listening to them and that what they have to say is worthwhile. Yeah, well, not only that, when we do, you know, a, a lot of what we do is kind of our club aspect, which which doesn't have any sort of financial aspects to it. But the when we go help companies, yeah. we think that what we do is really valuable and so do the companies and the companies pay and the explorers, you know, take some money home at the end. So they don't just feel good about it. They actually get paid for their work, which I think is appropriate. But it's... um That's it's, great. Yeah, it is. What kind of companies and, and the products they have uh, request... The explorers. Well, um, the exact details I can't talk about right. just because, you know, they're still in development sure. and confidential and all that. But we've worked with um, uh, quite a few companies now, um, and they range from tiny little startups, you know, say here in Silicon Valley that might be one to ten people. You know, we, we've done some with one person in the garage, the typical thing. But then we've done some um, projects with humongous companies, you know, household name type companies, um, which I wish I could tell you their names, but I'm not supposed to. Right. But, you know, the sort of huge companies you hear about every day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, both of those are interesting. They, they, they sort of, they're very different types of projects, but both a lot of fun. Now, how do you become a member? Well, um, we started with, um, we call them circles, the groups of explorers. We started with several circles in Northern California that I personally run. And then more recently, we've um, got a, a sort of slightly different model that involves um, helping to get started new explorer circles in other parts of the country. And so we have now one in Providence, Rhode Island, and one in Cincinnati, and oh, several wow. others. Um, and those are started by a small group of older adults who kind of feel like they would like to lead their own explorer circle. Yeah. And we train them and all the, all the um, circles interact. Um, and so uh, if you happen to live where there's already a circle, you just have to contact us through our website and, you know, we'll introduce you to them. But if you think, you, if someone listening thinks they would like to start their own circle somewhere, um, again, just uh, contact us through the website. We're actively trying to help with that at the moment. That's great. And what is your website? Uh, so the, the name of the entity behind all this is Tech Enhanced Life, as you mentioned in your introduction. And so the website is www.techenhancedlife.com. TechEnhancedLife.com. And we're going to continue talking with Dr. Richard Caro, co-founder of Tech Enhanced Life. But first, if you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, there's something you absolutely need to know. I want to tell you about my friend Katie. Katie is a nurse, and she was attacked on her way home from work. She was totally taken by surprise. And although Katie is only 5 feet tall and 106 pounds, she was easily able to drop her 6'4", 250-pound attacker to his knees and get away unharmed. Katie wasn't just lucky that day. She was prepared. 
In her pocketbook, a harmless-looking lipstick, which really contained a powerful man-stopping aerosol propellant. It's not like it was in our grandmother's day. Today, just going to and from work or to the mall can have tragic consequences. The FBI says a violent crime is committed every 15 seconds in the United States, and a forcible rape happens every five minutes. And chances are, when something happens, no one will be around to help. It looks just like a lipstick, so no one will suspect a thing, which is important since experts say getting the jump on your attacker is all about the element of surprise. Inside this innocent-looking lipstick is the same powerful stuff used by police and the military to disarm even the most powerful armed aggressor. In fact, National Park Rangers use the very same formula that's inside this little lipstick to stop 2,000-pound vicious grizzly bears dead in their tracks. It's like carrying a personal bodyguard with you in your purse or your pocket. Darkness brings danger. Muggers and rapists use darkness to their advantage. We all know what it's like to be walking at night and hear footsteps coming at us from behind. Who's there? If it's somebody bad, will you be protected? Your life may depend on it. My friend Katie's close call needs to be a wake-up call for all of us, myself included. Pick up a lipstick bodyguard and keep it with you always. Were you ever young? You're listening to Parents Are Hard To Raise. Now, thanks to you, the number one elder care talk show on planet Earth. Listen to this and other episodes on demand using the iHeartRadio app. iPhone users can listen on Apple Podcasts and Android users on Google Podcasts. Want a great new way to listen to the show? Have an Amazon Echo or Dot? Just say, Alexa, play Parents Are Hard To Raise podcast. Getting the latest episode of Parents Are Hard to Raise. Here it is from iHeartRadio. It's as simple as that. You're right, Dolly. There are so many really cool new ways to listen to our show. It's hard to keep track. You can join the 180 million listeners on Spotify. You can listen in your car, at the gym, or pretty much anywhere on your smartphone with Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. You can get us on Apple TV, DirecTV, Roku. And like Dolly said, you can even ask Alexa to play the show for you. It's great because you don't have to be tied to a radio anymore. You can listen when you want, where you want, for as long as you want. And if you're listening to the show in one of these new ways, please do me a big favor. Share this new technology. Help someone else learn about the show and show them a new way to listen. So, Richard, I was curious, your longevity explorers, are they mostly male, female? Uh, there's a mix, actually. Um, it's more women than men, which reflects the fact that once you get in your 80s and 90s, that's kind of how it works. There yeah. seem to be more women than men. <laughs> um, but what people often tell us is there are far more men that come to our explorer groups than come to most things of that age group. So we, we have more women than men, but, um, uh, you know, plenty of, uh, plenty of men too. Plenty of men too, yeah. I bet there's, um, there's relationships that develop, you know, from these groups. Um, well, relationships, that's a, that's an interesting word, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I see them once a month, you know, for a couple of hours in our meeting, of course, but, um, 
what I do notice is that, you know, some of these groups have been going on for four years now, right? Every oh, month wow. we meet, yeah. although we take a month or two off over the summer. But um, what I have noticed is that there are people who've been coming ever since the beginning, so for years. And because what we talk about in our discussions is, um, you know, we usually get into quite a lot of depth about stuff. We don't just talk about gadgets. We talk about ideas and things like how to stay in touch with your estranged daughter who doesn't want to talk to you anymore. You know, all sorts of issues like oh, wow. that come up. Okay, um, yeah. And so the members just get really comfortable talking to each other about these quite, um, quite, I don't know, personal things. Yeah. Um, and there's no question that they start to feel like they're, you know, it's a club. They feel like they belong. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the sort of relationships you were thinking of, but there's definitely a kind of bonding that happens there. Yeah, that's, I think that's, that's what I was thinking, you know, that they'll, they'll bond because they get to know each other and, you know, they have a common purpose and then they feel comfortable with each other. Exactly. It, it actually has made me think about something to do with um, social isolation and loneliness, which are often talked about as big challenges yes. for people these days yes. of, all, of all generations, actually. But, um, I, you know, I've started to realize that um, when you have something like these groups, which are what I call an affinity group, where you're there for to do something together, but not just to chit chat, you know, there's a purpose. Um, I think they allow a different sort of person to to meet and engage with new people than than the sort of person who likes cocktail parties, right? Yeah. There's lots of kind of social events that exist already, but there's a bit of a limited number of places where you can go and really engage with people about a topic of mutual interest. Um, and I think that's perhaps a really interesting um, way to think about this whole issue of loneliness. Yeah, it definitely is. You have all the components of what an elderly person needs. Yeah, it's not just our group, though. I was sort of actually wanting to make an even slightly broader point, which is I think that, you know, in theory, you could imagine a whole range of different affinity groups. You yeah. Know, like one of our explorers was telling me that he, um, so he's 90-something, 90 92, I think, and he goes to a reunion of his, um, of, his of the military um, unit that he belonged to in, in, I guess it would have been the Second World War, um, and you could just tell when he when he was telling us about that that you know those were fond memories and he liked to go and bond with those people. But he only did it once a year because it involved a uh, long distance. Yeah. But now there's starting to be some interesting technologies that maybe let you do that from your house. And so I think that whole idea of bonding with people with a common interest rather than just because you're the same age right. or it's just a social event. I think that's got a lot of potential. Yeah, it definitely does. Have you seen any technology trends that, you know, have the potential to improve the life of an older person or their family? Uh, yes, there's quite a few, actually. Um, and um, would you like me to tell you about some of them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Let me just preface it by saying that I think these are kind of trends. I, I think it would be premature to say that the perfect products quite exist yet, yes. but you can see where they're going, right, which I think is really encouraging. Um, and actually, there was um, there's um, th there are several I'd like to mention. Um, so the first one is um, the uh, ride-sharing services, you know, called Uber or Lyft. Right. Um, and... You know, they're not specifically designed for older adults, of course, but um, 
as we've helped older adults in our explorer community learn how to use them, we suddenly realize that they're incredibly important because, you know, if you're 20 and you're choosing between going on the public transport or in your own car, perhaps, or a taxi or Uber, you know, it's just one more choice, right? Right. But if you're 85 or 90 and you aren't allowed to drive anymore for some reason, which right. happens to a lot of people at some point, yes. that, then suddenly now your choices used to be you could stay home. Right. Or you could wait till your children came to visit and would like to take you somewhere. Or you could reserve the kind of paratransit van that would come kind of at the convenience of a friendly social worker, you know, and go to one of several places that you're allowed to go to, but not necessarily exactly where you wanted to go to. Or now you can summon a, a car at your convenience and go wherever you want to. So it's kind of transformed their sense of... Um, being in control, yeah. which I think is really important. It definitely is. So that's one of the more exciting uh, applications, I think. Yeah. There's so many different applications that you don't even realize what you're doing with these longevity explorers. <laughs> Shall I tell you about another one? Yes, please do. So um, maybe two years ago now, one of our um, explorers um, at, a, at our club meetings, the beginning of it is always um, – people bring the topics they want to talk about and then yeah. we kind of talk about a community-wide topic. So one of the explorers said, I really want to tell you about this new product I bought um, called, sorry, I just had to turn off my version of it. It's called Alexa and I didn't want mine to start talking in the background. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, and you know, no one really knew what this product was except this lady who's, I don't know, quite how old she is, probably in her 80s. Um, and she she just waxed really eloquently about how fantastic this this product was, this um, voice-enabled assistant called Alexa that she'd bought, and she liked to talk to it, and it would tell her jokes, and she had a whole range of things she told us about. And this was maybe two years ago, and, and, and since then I've noticed that, you know, every few months someone else says, well, I just got one of these, and, and they use them for all sorts of different things, but there's, um, there's definitely this quite... Um, Quite a, quite a large fraction of the people in our group who think it's really useful. And then recently we tried out a newer version that still has that artificial intelligence in it, the same Alexa, but now has a screen on it. And it lets you make video calls to other people in an incredibly simple and convenient way. This is not meant to be an advertisement, by the way. I don't get... <laughs> right. No one compensates yeah. me for saying this, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, we were just really impressed by it um, because I think video interaction is great. Yeah. But most of the existing ones are just a little bit tricky for some people to use. Whereas this new kind of artificial intelligence, you just say call John, and the next thing you know, you're looking at your friend John on the screen and talking to them. So I think that's pretty uh, powerful. Oh yeah, that's great. We liked it. Um. What other uh, what other products? Okay, uh, this is good. I could go on all. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to go on too much, but there's no, so many I great. could tell you about. I'll tell you another area that I think is really interesting. Um, you mentioned a bit earlier the whole medical alert thing, the buttons yes. where you press them and and they sort of work quite well, but you know people don't like them and they don't always press them. Right. Um, and mostly they're kind of ugly and stigmatizing is is an issue. Um, anyway, we've done a lot of work on those just because. Um, a lot of people do want them, and it's hard to decide which one to buy. But um, more recently, we've discovered that um, there's a class of new consumer electronics 
and an Apple Watch is a perfect example, but there are other ones, which are starting to incorporate many of those features of those medical alerts in what you would think of as just an elegant, stylish piece of consumer electronics. Um, and so I think where you see that going is this, this kind of intersection of um, consumer electronics of the wearable sort of category yeah. um, with these what used to be kind of old person products. Um, and, you know, once, once you can get an Apple Watch and it's cheaper and better uh, than the button, you have to ask, why do you want the button? Right. Right. You had mentioned um, robots before. Yes. I'm interested. What is uh, the reaction? You know, I wonder about that, you know, with an older person. How do they mm -hmm. feel about a robot? Yes. That's a very um, broad topic, isn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, I think it depends a lot what sort of robot you're talking about. Um, and what we found is our explorers... Um, actually uh, quite excited about the general concept of robots. Um, but within that excitement, there's, there are camps, right? There's a camp of super excited no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> there's right. a camp of like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> and then there's a bunch of stuff in between. Um, and so if you, know, if you talk about the sort of robot that cleans your floor or makes your bed or <laughs> cooks your dinner, there's, there's general enthusiasm about that, I have to tell you. Um, not that they quite exist to do all those things yet, but most of the explorers think that would be fun right. and useful. Although there's kind of the counterpoint of view, which some of them have, which is that, well, we need to do some exercise. You know, if we just sit in our chair and the robot does everything for us, that's not good either. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a bit mixed, but generally it's pretty enthusiastic, I think. Um, the sort of robot that actually takes care of you and replaces a person. Yes, uh, I, was, I think. Yeah, is wondering. that what you were thinking of? Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, yeah you know, uh, hands on caregiver, you know, being replaced right, by right, a robot. Right. Well, um, that's more tricky. You know, um, we haven't seen any anything close to that yet, so we haven't done a lot of work with them. But when the discussion comes up, I think the way people think is it would, of course, be better to have a nice, friendly person. I think everyone agrees with that. Right, yeah. However, if the choice is between sitting at home with no one looking after you, staring at the wall, um, or having some sort of robot that might do some of the things that a nice, friendly person could do, um, then actually the robot would be better than nothing. So I think it's all a question of, you know, what, what's the alternative? Yeah, and someone to, talk, someone to talk to. Well, you know, people, a lot of our explorers think Alexa is a great person to talk to, and it's a sort of robot, right? Yes. Um, I think one of the, <laughs> the lady who first introduced it, she's very fond of saying, Alexa is my friend. Uh, and, yeah. um, you know, that's an interesting point of view. It is, but, you know, I mean, it's... It's a it's a voice. It's um, she answers questions, Alexa, right? And uh, yeah, she does. I was trying to sh show my mom uh, Siri. I think it was, you know, uh -huh. and she would call me and say, "I wanted to ask Siri something, but you know, I didn't want to bother the woman. You know, <laughs> at ten o'clock at night, I I said, you know, to my my dad, dad Joe, we can't call her now. So I know it's like. Yeah. So they, yeah, I I think a lot of people do uh, find comfort in Alexa. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and it, it's it's still got so far to go too. So you can see you're just scratching the surface. Oh, definitely. And R Richard, give us your uh, website again. www.techenhancedlife.com. 
thank you so much for being here and sharing all this information with us. My pro- my pleasure, Diane. Parents are hard to raise family. I love getting your emails and questions, so please keep sending them in. You can reach me at Diane at parentsarehardtoraise.org or just click the green button on our homepage. Parents are Hard to Raise is a CounterThink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Our New York producer is Joshua Green. Our broadcast engineer is Well Gambino. And from our London studios, the melodic voice of our announcer, Miss Dolly D. We love our parents, but parents sure are hard to raise. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, may you forget everything you don't want to remember and remember everything you don't want to forget. See you again next week.